Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, February 24th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Boy, these gold bugs sure are weird. Dude, it's like 2023. Why would you want to own gold? I hear stuff like this from time to time. Here's kind of a funny story when I was first asked if I was interested in writing content for the Shift Gold website. I almost said no. And one of the reasons was that I kind of didn't want to be typecast as a nutty gold bug. Um, You know, there's a perception that uh, surrounds the precious metals markets that it's a bunch of preppers or malcontents or uh, or whatever but honestly i'm glad i took the opportunity and honestly i'm at the point now that i don't much care what people think about me especially people who buy into the mainstream narrative about everything i'd argue that they're the ones who are actually disconnected with reality but, you know, gold isn't just for cranks and malcontents. It, it's actually a very good thing for any investor to own as part of a well-balanced investment portfolio. I'm going to offer some reasons why in this week's show. As a full disclaimer, I'm traveling this week, so I needed to pre-record the show so I would be able to post it on the road. Um, so as I'm recording, it's actually Monday evening. And of course, that meant I needed to do something relatively evergreen. But this works out well because this is actually something I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while because um, I get a lot of questions and comments about, you know, gold kind of overall as uh, part of an investment portfolio. So I definitely want to talk about it. But before I get into that, I do want to touch on something that I didn't get to in last week's show that's related to inflation. There's a new buzzword out there to help you feel like everything's fine. Super core inflation. Have you heard that one yet? It was actually in CNBC's coverage of last week's CPI report. And about a week before that, CNN told me that super core inflation is something I need to pay attention to. And of course, when CNN talks, nobody listens, but that's not here nor there. But according to the pundits, super core inflation gives us an even better gauge of the reality of inflation in the economy. Now, translated into regular English, Supercore inflation understates the impact of inflation even more than core CPI, and it's a great way to gaslight everybody into thinking that everything is fine. You know, central bankers and government officials are always looking for ways to tell you things are better than they are. They tinker with formulas, for example, changing the CPI formula back in the 1990s to make CPI lower. They manipulate data with seasonal adjustments. We talked about that last week. And they create new data points to talk about, such as super core inflation. So what exactly is this? What is super core? As CNN explains it, quote, super core inflation refers to prices that rise when workers get paid more for their services. Think haircuts, electrical work, and gardening. So, in a nutshell, Supercore measures wage inflation primarily in the service sector. Jerome Powell actually alluded to this in a November speech, although he didn't use the Supercore buzzword. He called it core services other than housing. Um, 
But in practice, Supercore starts with core inflation, which strips out food and energy costs. And then it strips out housing, commodity prices, and other non-service prices. According to CNN, prices in the Supercore inflation calculation are, quote, less volatile than those in the CPI or core CPI calculations. Of course, the reason we have core inflation is because food and energy prices are supposedly more volatile than other prices, so they need to be stripped out. Now, call me cynical, but it seems to me like they're just looking for a way to tell you that inflation isn't that bad and you should be happy. You know, maybe they should just strip out all of the prices and tell us there's no inflation at all. I mean, they could literally create a formula to do that, right? And by the way, if any of you can figure out how to strip all of this stuff out of your actual budget, let me know, because that would be pretty awesome. So there you go, super core inflation. Pay attention to it. And when you hear the word, remember that they're trying to make you feel better. They're trying to tell you things are better than they are. Don't trust government numbers. So let's talk a little bit about gold. Why gold? Now, I'm not one of those people who is going to sit here and tell you, you should sell everything and put all of your investment money into gold or silver. I'm talking about owning gold as part of a balanced portfolio, part of a broader overall investment strategy. So like Peter Schiff recommends having 10 to 20% of your wealth in precious metals. The 10% number you'll hear quite a bit. Um, I think in extreme inflationary times as we have today, 20% or closer to that number might be uh, a better allocation. But some of your portfolio should be allocated to precious metals. But why? Well, one reason is that gold is a safe haven. And to demonstrate that, we just have to look at 2022. Now, gold was only up about 0.4% on the year. So, (laughs) basically flat. And that doesn't seem particularly impressive. You might be thinking, well, Mike, that doesn't sound safe haven-y to me. But in fact, gold was one of the best performing assets of the year. So Wall Street suffered through its worst year since 2008 in 2022. The Dow was down about 8.8%. The S&P 500 fell by 19.4%. So, uh, It fell more than 20% from its high. The NASDAQ took the worst hit. It tumbled by 33.1%. Meanwhile, the bond market tanked, Bitcoin collapsed, and the air was coming out of the real estate bubble. So all of these assets dropped far more than gold because gold didn't drop at all. It was, again, basically flat. Gold's 2022 performance underscores its value as a portfolio diversifier. The World Gold Council uh, did some analysis, and it shows that gold's volatility volatility, uh, was relatively low last year, and the yellow metal was not well correlated with stocks and bonds. So to put that in simple terms, gold tends to hold steady or go up when everything else is coming down. It's less volatile than other things in the market. That's why it's good to have that as part of your portfolio. If you've got a situation where bonds, stocks, real estate, other assets are tanking, it's good to have something in your portfolio that's not doing that, right? It's going to hold the overall value of your portfolio up. Now, more than that, 
I view gold as a way to preserve your wealth, right? You don't want to hold on to devaluing currencies. That's for sure, right? So the worst thing you can do is just stick cash under your mattress or even put cash in a bank account uh, because by and large, you're, you're getting very little interest income from a, uh, from, from a bank account. Cash is not king. If you hold on to dollars for several years, they will inevitably buy less stuff at the end of that time period than they did when the time period started. This is especially true when we have rapidly rising prices as we do today. But even when inflation is you know, under control, as they call it, Federal Reserve policy is to devalue the dollar by 2% every year. We have that 2% inflation target. What they mean is every single year, the value of the dollar is going to drop by 2%. Overall prices are going to rise by 2%. So if you have a dollar this year, it's going to be worth 2% less next year than it was, even if there is quote unquote no inflation, because no inflation really still means inflation uh, in, in the minds of central bankers. Now, historically, gold has maintained its purchasing power over time. And purchasing is the primary role of money, right? It's a means of exchange. I think sometimes people get a little bit confused and they equate money with wealth. You know, they create dollars with wealth. Dollars aren't really worth anything beyond what you can purchase with them, what goods and services you can acquire by trading in the dollars that you have. If your money buys less and less every year, it means your wealth is effectively bleeding away. But does gold really maintain its purchasing power? Well, let's look at an actual example. Let's use a high-end men's suit. It's a good example because a suit today isn't fundamentally different from a suit 100 years ago. It's not like there's big technological advancements that have happened in suits. I mean, yes, styles obviously have changed, but a suit's still a pants and a jacket, maybe a vest, a tie. Um, a suit's a suit. So if we go to 1900, the average price of a high-end men's suit was around $35. At the time, the price of gold was set at $20.67 per ounce. That means a high-end men's suit priced in gold would have cost around 1.7 ounces of gold. Fast forward to today, the average price of a high-end suit is around $2,000. Now, obviously, prices vary depending on the brand and the region other factors, but $2,000 is a fair average. At the time I'm recording this, the price of gold is around $1,840 an ounce. So I'm just going to use $1,800 for this calculation to keep it simple. That means a high-end suit priced in gold today costs a little over 1.1 ounces of gold. As you can see, the price of a suit in gold has dropped a little over 35% since 1900. This is what you would expect given the advances in technology and productivity. So we move forward in time as the economy becomes more productive, it becomes less costly to produce things, and the cost should technically go down. So if we didn't have this policy of 2% inflation every single year, uh, you would see the price of a lot of items actually fall. We would have disinflation, which for some reason is bad because nobody wants to spend less, right? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, 
Priced in dollars, the price of a high-end men's suit has increased by 5,614.3% since 1900. So if you want to look at it another way, if you stuffed $41.34 under your mattress in 1900, that's the price of two ounces of gold, today you might be able to buy a couple of polo shirts if you find a good deal. But if you bought two one-ounce gold coins with your $41.34 and stuffed those under your mattress in 1900, today you would be able to buy a fancy suit and have about $1,600 left over. Now, of course, the price of gold fluctuates day to day, month to month, year to year, and in some years, the price of gold falls. But over time, it has historically maintained its purchasing power, even as fiat currencies lose buying power year after year. Now, I know there are some people out there screaming right now, gold has gone down. It's a horrible investment. I know this because you show up in the YouTube comments from time to time and tell me how much gold sucks. And you always pick some random date to tell me that you've lost money on gold. 2011, 2012, uh, that seems to be a favorite date because, of course, it makes your case. But, you know, I can take any investment, any asset, and pick some random date and make it look either good, bad, or indifferent. When I talk about gold, I'm generally thinking in long terms, a decade at least. I'm looking at it as a long-term investment, a long-term preserver of wealth, right? I'm not talking about buying gold this year and selling it next year and trying to make a bunch of money. Now, you can do that if you want to play the market that way. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just not my strategy. I'm looking at it as a portfolio diversifier and a wealth preserver. But, you know, a lot of folks don't look at it that way and they want to come at me on uh, comments and, and on social media and tell me that gold is an awful investment because they picked some random date and gold has gone down. Um, and, and, you know, these people never show up like when gold goes up or they never pick a date that shows that, you know, gold increased by 500 percent in this time period. Uh, no, we don't talk about that. We just pick the, the random date to make things look bad. And like I said, I can make gold look good, bad or indifferent, depending on the date that I picked. But I did a little research and I got the average price of gold every year from the year 2000. Inflation adjusted to 2023 dollars uh, using the Bureau of Labor Statistics inflation calculator. So this allows us to compare apples to apples, so to speak. Um, we can look at all of these years priced in 2023 dollars, and we can see actually how the price of gold has changed using a, a standard measure of the dollar. So the average price for an ounce of gold in 2000 was $279.11 in nominal terms. When you apply the inflation adjustment to it, uh, that comes to $380.62 in 2023 dollars. Um, I'm going to put all of these numbers on the show notes page. So I'll put each year and the uh, the amount of uh, that gold would cost in 2023 dollars for each of those years. I'll put that on the show notes page because I know it's hard to visualize numbers when I'm talking. But if you look at the whole list of numbers in general, 
you will find that there are short periods of time where the average price of gold drops. For instance, in 20 or in 2001, the average price adjusted to $2023 was $363.48. So the price dropped uh, a little less than $20 uh, in, in that time frame. But if you held that ounce of gold until, say, 2005, well, then it was worth $486.89. So it's gone up more than $100 by 2005. And if you held it for 10 years until 2010, then that ounce of gold in 2023 was worth $1,224.53. So you made a big gain if you held gold for that decade. Now, the price of gold did fall pretty significantly between 2012 and 2015, um, from $1,665.50, uh, it fell all the way down to $1,173.98. Uh, so you're looking at a you know, $400 plus dollar drop. Um, and then gold was basically stagnant in the $1,200 range until 2018. So you do have that period, about a six-year period between 2012 and 2018, where not so great. If you bought gold in 2012 and sold it in 2018, uh, yes, you probably did lose some money. Sorry, that's just not a good time period. But by 2021, the price was up to $1,800 now. So even if you bought gold at the peak in 2012 before that drop, you are ahead of the game today. Remember, this is all inflation adjusted. So we're talking about $2023 here. You don't have to say, Mike, uh, inflation ate up all of that. No, this is all based on the same dollar. If you bought gold, in any year since the year 2000, you have not lost money, even considering the impact of inflation. Now, you haven't made a ton of money since, 2020, uh, since 2012, but you have maintained your wealth, and that's the whole point of owning gold, right? And of course, if you bought gold in 2000, you have significantly increased your wealth. We went from $380.62 to over $1,800. I said $1,840 today. So you're sitting pretty if you bought gold back in the year 2000. Another big plus for physical gold is that there is no counterparty risk. Now, you'll often hear people talk about government bonds as a risk-free asset. That's because you're guaranteed to get your money back, right? As long as the government exists and remains solvent, you're going to get your money back on your bond. Since governments rarely just disappear or default on their debt, there is an extremely low likelihood that you will lose your investment in a government bond. But that likelihood isn't zero, right? Therefore, it's not truly a risk-free asset. In fact, government bonds share one characteristic with most investment assets. They come with some level of counterparty risk. So what exactly is counterparty risk? In a nutshell, it is the risk that a person or institution on the other side of a transaction might not fulfill its obligation. So consider government bonds. When you buy a bond, you assume the government will pay interest and then return your invested money at the end of the bond's term. But a government could be overthrown 
or it could accumulate so much debt that it can't repay all of its bondholders. That's the counterparty risk. There is some risk, however small, that the government will not fulfill its obligation. Most investment transactions come with some degree of counterparty risk. When a company issues stock, that company could go bankrupt. That's counterparty risk. Even government-issued fiat currency has counterparty risk, right? People who have old Zimbabwe banknotes know this to be true. Gold and silver have no counterparty risk. In fact, if you own physical gold or physical silver, there is no other party involved. No counterparty means no counterparty risk. Precious metals don't depend on any people or institutions to give them value. They have value because people value gold. I mean, I guess everybody one day could wake up and decide, we don't like gold anymore, and we're going to get rid of all this gold jewelry, and we're not going to ever use gold and technology again, and just uh, no more gold. Well, that's not going to happen, right? Nothing behind gold and silver, nothing backing gold and silver can fail to render them valueless. In a nutshell, gold and silver are liquid under all market conditions. Gold and silver are tangible assets that you can hold in your hand. They can be bought and sold all over the world. Their value is recognized globally. While the price of gold or silver may fall, it's never going to fall to zero. Precious metals can't default on their payments, they can't commit fraud, and they can't go bankrupt. So when you own gold, you are eliminating some level of counterparty risk from your overall portfolio. So we've hit on three reasons, broadly speaking, that you might want to consider gold as an investment. Number one, it's a safe haven. It tends to do well when other things are doing poorly. Two, it's a wealth preserver. And three, it minimizes in your portfolio some of your counterparty risk. If you want to consider a little more food for thought on the subject of gold as an investment, I'm going to link to an article in the show notes page where billionaire John Paulson makes the case that you want to hold gold now, not dollars. In a nutshell, he sees gold as a hedge against global de-dollarization. In other words, an intermediate and long-term depreciation of the dollar versus other currencies. And primarily, he's talking about the fact that a lot of countries want to get away from the dollar. They want to diversify away from the dollar. And he believes, I'm in agreement with him on this, that the dollar's role as the primary reserve currency isn't going to last a whole lot longer. Uh, eventually, it's going to be replaced by either a basket of currencies or maybe even gold. Um, but the dollar is not going to be dominant forever. There are a lot of countries already, again, trying to get away from the dollar, whether to avoid the foreign policy ramifications of holding dollars. You know, if you're China, you don't want to hold a bunch of dollars knowing that the U.S. can use that against you uh, in terms of punishing you for foreign policy actions it doesn't like. Um, a lot of investors are concerned that the U.S. keeps creating dollars out of thin air. They're rapidly devaluing the currency. So they're just they're looking at the landscape and they're saying, you know, maybe it would be better to not just hold dollars. We need other stuff. So Paulson says, quote, gold is rising again. And he went on to explain 
Quote, I say again, because it's been the reserve currency of the world for thousands of years, a legitimate alternative to holding the dollar or other paper currencies. There has been a significant increase in demand from central banks to replace dollars with gold, and we're just at the beginning of that trend. And he's referencing, of course, the fact that central bank gold buying last year set a record uh, in, in terms of tons. And right now we're seeing, you know, primarily central banks such as India, uh, Turkey, China. They're the ones that are buying gold right now. He says we're at the beginning of that trend. He said, quote, gold will go up and the dollar will go down. So you'd better you'd be better off keeping your investment reserves in gold at this point. And he argues that the price of gold is going to be higher next year and in five years and in 10 years as we go down the road. So I just wanted to cover those things. Just some reasons to think about holding gold in your portfolio. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that you should only hold gold or that gold is the best investment ever. No, it is part of a broader investment strategy. You've heard the saying before, you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. That's definitely true in investing. You don't want to own all stocks or all bonds or you know all tech stocks or all Bitcoin. You want a diversified portfolio because each of those asset classes, each of those investments has different properties and will behave differently in different market conditions. So you want to have a balanced portfolio that will generally rise over time. And gold is an important part of that investment portfolio because of the reasons that I've discussed. And so you may want to consider holding some gold in your portfolio. And how much? That depends on, you know, your your risk calculations and your investment goals and, and all kinds of things. I can't tell you you should have you know, X amount of gold. That's, that's really something that you need to decide. Now, if you want to talk to somebody and kind of talk through how precious metals, gold and silver, might benefit your portfolio, fit into your investment strategy, work with what you're trying to do in terms of preserving your wealth, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metals specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or email info at shiftgold.com or go to shiftgold.com, go to the Getting Started page, and you can chat with the Precious Metals specialist right there online. They'll talk to you. They'll listen to you. They'll listen to your investment goals. They'll ask you questions. They'll figure out how precious metals might fit into your investment strategy. Do that today. Gold is still relatively cheap, I think, compared to what it's going to be once the uh, the world and investors figure out that the Fed is not going to win this inflation fight, uh, that it's not going to be able to bring the economy into a soft landing, and that uh, things aren't as hunky-dory as they want you to believe. So with that, we have a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on the Shipgold YouTube channel. Links to all of these things are on the show notes page. You can email me, mmahary at shipgold.com. That's two M's, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Love hearing from folks. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And I will talk to you again next week.